Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Vincent Xavier. Hey, we've got a great broadcast lined up for you today, but I wanted to just come on briefly and uh, because this is a very special day, and I wanted to say to my beloved wife, Patricia Joy, happy birthday. It is the 10th day of February 2021, and Patricia's birthday is today. And it's a little bit icy outside. Not a little bit. It's very icy right now outside. But inside, it's about 82 and sunny. Patricia Joy, happy birthday to you. I know that you're going to have a day filled with some of the best messages, text messages, emails, phone calls. Some of your dearest friends will be near. And those who are afar will actually... Uh, be sharing their love with you as well. I certainly do. I had contemplated reading a little poem to you, my dear, on the air, and I think maybe I'll do it, even though it's very private and special at the same time, but I think it would be nice because I'm going to read a scripture verse, and by the way, before you go anywhere today, uh, in just a moment, Daniel Seckham and I had an interview last night, and Daniel called in from Australia And we did an interview, so I want to uh, just invite you to listen to that interview coming up at uh, probably in about five minutes or so. We're just going to let it rip in about five minutes. And we should be live on Facebook and YouTube, and we should be live on Blog Talk Radio and Omega Radio. And by the way, another note, in about five minutes, Daniel Seckham and I are going to have an interview, but... After this broadcast, it's going to take, uh, it it, it depends on what you're doing today. It's about a two-hour broadcast because I also repeat uh, the message from yesterday because I want that word to get out there. I believe that's the will of the Lord. And then Patricia Joy will follow with a message on deliverance, the Christian Bill of Rights. And then afterward, Pastor Steve, I believe his name is, Pastor Steve Johnson. uh, Actually, I have his name right here. It is Pastor... Oh, yeah, Stephen Lawson. Pastor Steve Lawson will be uh, following Patricia Joy and probably in a couple of hours, and you don't want to miss his message. It's one of the best I've heard. It was very, very powerful. That's going to be happening on OmegaRadio.org, OmegaRadio.org. Org. The reason why I'm coming to you with my hat on this morning is because in just a moment, I'm going to turn it over to the interview with Daniel Seckham last night. But before I go any further, again, I want to say happy birthday to Patricia Joy Xavier. Today is my wife, Patricia's birthday. And I want to read to you, Patricia Joy, because I know you're listening today, out of Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Patricia, when I read that verse of scripture, it it resembles you so well. So I have a little poem for you that I'd like to share. And here it is. Patricia Joy, a shining star. When once men walked in darkness, you gave them light. You shared with them Jesus with all your might. The world filled with sickness, suffering, and shame 
God said in his heart, there are some yet darkened. So Patricia, you came to be a star, a shining light to guide men to Jesus. Oh, what delight. Now in eternity, your light shall glow and unto you shall the nations flow. A ruler, a judge, one who has the right, because you, my dear, brought them the light. So let your light so shine before men, lead them to Jesus, and they shall live again. Your rewards will be great, and not just a few, for your crown will be filled with many great jewels. You gave your life so others may live, never forgotten. Now granted the privilege to shine forever in the heavens above, for you embrace the greatest of all, God's divine love. Patricia Joy, a shining light, whose face illuminated with God's glory bright. Happy birthday, my wonderful dear. May God bless you in this coming year. May he open doors like never before and fill your heart with all your desires. The way may seem a bit hard at times, but the blessing ahead will cause you to forget any struggle you face. Something big, something great. I must tell you that I could hardly wait to see what God has in store for you. It's your birthday today, and even though the roads are ice, God's warm love and mine and Maxie's and all of your friends will suffice. Love always, my dearest, dear. Happy birthday, Patricia Joy, Xavier. All right, so having said that, let's go to a special place today. And again, I want to welcome everybody that's there. Praise God for all of you that are tuned in today. I Perhaps some of you saw the interview with Brother Daniel uh, last night. It's an excellent interview. It was a little bit late for us. It was early for him in Australia. Daniel was uh, lit up. He spoke some incredible things, worth hearing again if you hadn't. And then immediately following Daniel in the same video that I'm about to share from last night will be the word that I ministered yesterday. You should hear it again. It wouldn't hurt. And then immediately following this broadcast on Omega Radio. You have to shift to Omega Radio. There'll be a roundtable discussion with Patricia Joy Xavier and her friends in her deliverance class. And then immediately following that, Pastor Stephen Lawson brings a message that I thought was absolutely profound and powerful. The church needs to hear the message. I believe it's true. And so, Omega Radio, in about two hours, two and a half hours, uh, we'll have the deliverance, and it will go into Stephen Lawson, Pastor Steve Lawson's message, and then uh, however the day leads from there. But first, I want to introduce Brother Daniel Seckham to the broadcast, and I want to begin the interview with him. Um, it starts out maybe a little slow as I'm waiting for him to call into the broadcast, but nonetheless, here goes the message. Again, happy birthday, Patricia Joy Xavier, on this 10th day of February 2021. I love you with all my heart. You're my dearest friend, and I wish you a year like never before in a day. It'll just make your heart sing, and I believe God has something wonderful in store for you today. All right, so here we go. Daniel Seckham is going to join me now as I add this up in the screen. 
And we're going to play the video now. Have a blessed couple of hours. Enjoy. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. In just a moment, Daniel Seckham will be joining us all the way from Australia. And right before he does, I want to go to the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16. The very, very familiar passage of Scripture. We read this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Praise God. Praise God. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Isn't it very clear in our theology that God so loved the world that he gave his son and that his son did not come to condemn the world because the world was already condemned. So the preaching of Jesus Christ is not to condemn the world. It is to save the world from the condemnation that's already gone forth in the world. And I just wanted to make that point today as we continue on in our conversation, our dialogue, our narrative, as Daniel is ready to join the broadcast right now, that regardless of what is happening, whether men believe or don't believe, For example, he that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So the reason why mankind is condemned is not because they don't believe, it's because they were condemned in the Garden of Eden, but because they don't believe, the condemnation remains. And that is the way it really is. And the preaching of the cross and the preaching of Christ and the gospel is to the ends of the earth, to all people everywhere, that they would believe and confess and repent and begin a brand new life with an eternal hope. But we live in a world where not everybody believes. In fact, later on in this chapter three, men love darkness rather than light. And this is very important that we understand that they will not come to the light lest their deeds be reproved. And so having said that, I just wanted to set the stage for uh, today's broadcast. As Daniel is ready to join us here in just a moment, all the way from Australia, we appreciate that. We've missed having the young man with us. And so without further ado, let me bring Daniel into the broadcast here today and say, good morning. God bless you. Hello, Daniel. How are you, sir? Very well. Can you hear me okay? I hear you great. I hear you good. You. You're looking good. Thank you. I have people everywhere saying, please get Daniel back on the air. We miss him. We love him. What have you been doing? How are you? I'm really good. I haven't been doing much. I've just been watching paint dry. I've been watching grass grow. Not a lot happens out here, Vincent. Yeah, I'll tell you what, what what I find amazing is that a couple of years ago, God really launched you. Uh, You had already been launched in your own ministry on Israel End Times and uh, Middle East and all that you were already doing. But then he launched you into the United States. And um, in, in that launch, I mean, he opened doors to you everywhere. You brought forth your warnings, your concerns about socialism, communism. You brought so much incredible information 
we are where we are right now. And I think this is a great time to get your perspective as you're watching the paint dry and doing all those other wonderful things, resting. What is happening? What's going on? Uh, there is a lot of, a lot going on. Um, there is a lot of shifting, sifting and shaking, uh, going on. Uh, and again, our focus tends to be upon America, um, because, and look, there's a, I know people just think, well, why are you, you know, why are you focusing so much on America? You're an Australian. Why don't you focus on your own country? The thing is, is that, and this is what a lot of Americans need to realize, um, a lot of international people like myself, non-Americans, place just as much importance and emphasis on the American culture and politics as their own, because American culture and politics has an impact on our own culture and politics. And that is that kind of sums up why we are just as passionate per se. Well, not passionate. I think we we are just as keenly interested into what's actually going on in America, and this is why we follow it, um, follow a culture, and why we follow um, politics in America as much as uh, any other American who is genuinely interested in where they in the direction of where their country is heading. So that kind of gives a bit of a um, uh, sum up why we I have this particular interest. And when I see what's going on, there is a, a particular amount of dismay, I guess, by looking at what's going on in America at the moment. Um, I see a lot of lawlessness that's going on. I see a, a lot of um, gaslighting that's going on. Uh, in regard to what the um, what opponents of um, liberty and the op uh, opponents of people who uphold the constitution, the left, they are uh, they are really going for the jugular at the moment. They they can smell blood in the water. Mm. They can smell blood in the water, and this they are really really doing everything that they can to ensure that they can. Um, solidify their, 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 their stranglehold on power. They will do everything within their ability to ensure that they do not lose that power. And that's one of the reasons why they hated Trump with so much vehemency and so much vitriol and so much passion because Trump literally was exposing their corruption. He was, Trump was an outsider. He was an outsider and he came into Washington not hardly knowing anybody. In fact, that's probably part of the reason why, uh, part of the reason uh, that explains his downfall is because he didn't really have the political clout uh, and, and discernment to actually see that some of the people who he thought was on his side were actually working against him. Um, so that, that is, that kind of, People need to understand that Trump was an outsider. He came in and he basically flicked on the light and revealed a bunch of scarring uh, roaches and a bunch of um, rats that were basically eroding the foundation of, of America. And that's why uh, he copped uh, an incredible amount of, of opposition 
uh, and, and just Vitero. The press made him out to be a villain, and uh, and they basically twisted every single one of his words. The Washington Post came out with a piece that said uh, President Trump, President Trump's lies is like twenty thousand and counting, or something ridiculous like that. Look, they they really went for the jugular because they were terrified because of two reasons. Number one, because um, he was exposing their ineptness, their corruption, and their incompetence. Um, and for the, furthermore, he was exposing a lot of their their their, their, their involvement in criminality. Because he did that, the the left fought back. The, the deep state per se, and by the way, Time magazine just recently came out with a piece, a very Orwellian piece, basically explaining why the election looked like it was stolen, but it wasn't, right? They even said, um, you know, President Trump, in, in a kind of way, is actually right. <laughs> you know, like they say that um, the, le- the election wasn't stolen, but it, it, it was fortified. And democracy actually won. Absolutely ridiculous. But they admitted that there was a secret cabal working behind the scenes of very powerful, influential people that were working to fortify the election. The, the, the left are extremely disingenuous. They are bald-faced liars, and they would do everything within their power to ensure that they stay in power. And so... Basically, Trump exposed them, and so their motivation was to um, to ensure that Trump wasn't going to expose them because if they were going to expose them, for many of them were fearing imprisonment. For a lot of what they're actually doing, they deserve jail, and uh, and this is why they are they are doing everything that they possibly can to to destroy him, and this is why why they are trying to impeach a private citizen, which is completely unconstitutional. Um, it, it's re- absolutely ridiculous. And of course, the motivation is, is obvious. It's because they are terrified of Trump running again in 2024. They are absolutely terrified, especially if the Republicans insist on election integrity within the next four, four years. If the Republicans can manage to and I don't believe they will because they are up against, again, this secret cabal of powerful, influential people working behind the scenes, as Time magazine called them. Um, they, will have, they will be up against it. Uh, their resolve to ensure election integrity for 2024 will be that they will be fighting uphill to ensure that happens. Um, so where America is right now, well, one of the things that people need to understand is that the 2020 election revealed anything. It revealed the, the utterly corrupt state of Washington, D.C. But more than that, it revealed the, the utterly corrupt state of the political, the political cultural realm within America. America is now at the point where they have just as much corruption as you would expect from a third world country. Uh, and this is because, again, what is the motiva- What is the philosophy behind leftism? There is no God. I'm not accountable to anyone. 
I am a law unto myself and I can do whatever I want. If I believe that utopia is within my grasp, there is no law that I will not break and no lie that I will not tell to bring that to happen, to bring that into, into being. So that is, that is sums up the left-wing worldview. They, again, they will leave no stone unturned until they completely destroy, completely destroy America. So that is, gives you a little bit of a, a summation um, of, of, of where we're at. So it's a little bit disheartening, but um, at, the, at the same time, that's where, that's where we're at. Okay, so um, uh, it, it's interesting that you brought up um, Washington, D.C., and obviously the reasons why, because it is very corrupt. Uh, earlier today, uh, yesterday now, um, I had just released a word out of Ezekiel chapter 22 and Zephaniah chapter 3 that uh, Washington, D.C. is in the crosshairs and it's being targeted by an enemy for destruction. And I went through the scriptures and showed how the enemy of Washington, D.C. is God Almighty. He is the Lord God. Mm-hmm. And when he spoke to Jerusalem thousands of years ago is his message to Washington, D.C. today, just like he would speak to any nation that acts like Sodom and Gomorrah, because we're told in Scripture that anybody that does that is going to get the same punishment. And so, Daniel, mm-hmm. I really do believe that the corruption is so deep that uh, what is written in Ezekiel chapter 22 and Zephaniah chapter 3 are prophetic words right now. But mm-hmm. I want to ask you this question. I want to get your mind on this, because uh, where are your thoughts concerning the cleansing of the prophetic ministry in the church when we stand back for just a moment and look at the hundreds of people that spoke and are still speaking of a second term for Donald J. Trump. There were hundreds that spoke and said he will have a two-term presidency. He will win on January 20th, et cetera, et cetera. Some still believing that he will. Do you believe God is utilizing this moment to cleanse the prophetic mantle? Or do you think that these prophets, their words are going to come to pass and they're going to find a, that's going to find a way through? What are your thoughts about this? That's a good question, and I think um, I think we um, I think for a number of these prophets, they they do need to be held to account. But here's the thing: it depends what they were saying. If they were saying that Trump is going to win re-election in regard to the 2020 election, then fair enough. They need to apologize and say, "Listen, I got it wrong." Um, however, if there were others who were simply saying that Trump will be a two-term president, then you never know what could actually happen in 2024. So uh, it depends what they're saying. So if they're saying that Trump will be a two-term president, he, that he will serve two terms, well, that's now wait and see. That's now wait and see. Let's see what happens in 2024, because Trump has indicated that he will run again. So uh, let's wait and see. If Trump does win office in 2024, then the prophets that said that Trump will be a two-term president were correct, including, I believe, Kim Kim Clement. I think Kim Clement actually did say that he would be a two-term president. So I think um, in in regard to the prophets that said that he will win re-election in regard to the November 3rd election, they need to apologize 
and they do need to be called out. They do need to be held to account um, because, and it does unfortunately damage the credibility um, of the, not just the prophetic movement, but also it damages the, the body of Christ across the board. So if they can come out and apologize, that would be the first step toward healing. Beautiful. Okay. So there's an impeachment process that began today and the left has now uh, taken the first step in saying mm-hmm. it is constitutional to begin a, an impeachment process against a retired president. So this is kind of where they're at right now. So do you think that the impeachment uh, process, if it does go forward and it, and, it, and he is impeached, which would make it impossible for him to run in 2024 or ever again in a presidential office, would that be the clincher? I mean, is God possibly taking things to that degree because of the, you know, the, the mantle that just hasn't been cleaned up before the Lord in this time? Um, what, what does that look like from a political standpoint of view from you? Um, I, I think I think that he could very well be installed again. I think he could be. I, I, I think that... Uh, you know, and I think that for a number of different reasons, I think that there may be one last hurrah for the conservative movement because um, I, I, I see this I see this tug of war, this massive tug of war going on between the, the left and the right, and the left uh, have p- pulled it over into their into their have temporary, I guess you could say, are in the winning seat at the moment, the driving seat at the moment, only because they did it lawlessly. Um, but I think we could see one last gasp, one last um, hurrah in regard to God's God's mercy, in regard to his reprieve. Uh, and, uh, and Trump could very well win re-election. And that would be, I mean, that'll be great. That, that would be basically the final call, I believe, because I think the left have have... Now have so much momentum, and that Washington is so irredeemably corrupt that I don't believe that uh, that that there will be any way back. I know that sounds a bit strange. Being you know, look, I, I do believe that God is a God of miracles. I do believe that God can bring about renewals and revival. I'm all for that, but I'm also someone who understands Bible prophecy and I understand that things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. And when I say get a lot worse, I believe that we are heading towards one of the most tumultuous, the most chaotic and the most horrifying um, periods of human history, which Jesus spoke about. He says there will be no other time like it um, in Matthew 24. Uh, And I believe that it'll only get better when he returns and when you can see that contrast in Zechariah 14, when in, at the beginning of Zechariah 14, it talks about how um, Israel will be plundered, uh, Israel will be invaded by all nations, and, and uh, half of the city of Jerusalem will be taken captive. But then at the very next verse after it says it, it says, but then the Lord God will go out and fight against those nations as he does in the day of battle. So things are going to get bad, but things are going to get much better when he when he comes onto the scene. And the contrast, there couldn't be more of a stark contrast between the darkness of evil um, having its day and evil dominating. Because remember what Jesus said. He says, 
the time will have to be cut short because if it's not cut short, there will be no one left. Mm. So, um, but when he appears in glory with the brightness of 10,000 suns, with his heavenly host of angels, and he rescues his chosen ones, when he rescues the righteous, it's just going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. So I do see, I'm always pushing. And this is why some people look at me sideways and they say, well, if you know that things are going to get bad and things are going to get worse, why do you even bother fighting? Isn't that like rearranging the deck chairs in the Titanic? And um, I'm like, well, look, you know, the thing is, is that we can't, all, we can't all of a sudden stop being Christians. We can't all of a sudden stop being salt and stop being light. We can't all of a sudden stop contending for the faith. We are called to contend to the, uh, for the faith. We are called to be salt and light. So we never give up in those areas. We, we try to work for the gospel in every possible way that we can. Now, the whole gospel includes um, taking a stand for righteousness in the political realm, in the cultural realm. It means pushing against the plans of darkness. It means pushing against the agenda within our schools to try and indoctrinate our kids. It involves pushing back against the um, insidious agenda to shut down freedom of speech. So we, we're we not going to go away anytime soon. However, the, Jesus mentions that it will come to a point when it will be that bad when you're not going to be able to do anything. Remember what Jesus said. He said, work while you have daylight. The night is coming when no man can work. Mm-hmm. He said, work while you have daylight. The night is coming when no man can work. There will be a time when night will come and no, no, no one will be able to do anything. I mean, it, it, it will be, we will basically be in the hands of a merciful God. And, uh, and so in the meantime, we need to do everything that we possibly can. And, and, and when persecution comes, we, we, we just need to let our light shine. And, uh, and yet I, I believe that the persecution will, in some regards, inadvertently um, lead to the preaching of the gospel to people who have never heard it. Persecution, as we saw in Acts chapter 8, persecution led to many of the Christians there in Jerusalem had to flee. And they fled from Jerusalem into Judea and into Samaria and to the othermost parts of the earth. And so, and what was the precursor to that? The precursor to that was persecution. Listen, as persecution was the driver of evangelism in the first century, persecution will be the driver of evangelism in the last century. I believe that Jesus said in Matthew 24, but this gospel shall be preached unto all nations and then the end will come. Why did he say that? Why did he say that? Well, what was it that he said immediately beforehand? He said, but you'll be handed over to the authorities you'll be handed over to the synagogue you'll be handed over to your governors to give an account he said you will be persecuted he said um parents will turn against their children and children will turn against that so i believe that we're going to be entering into a time of unprecedented persecution the church in the west is going to experience persecution like our brothers and sisters have experienced it in the East and in the Middle East for centuries. So um, I, I think that our comfort and security is, is temporary and will soon give way. 
And uh, and this is also why I believe why Jesus said that there will be a great fall in the way, because when persecution comes to the church in the West, much of the church will will completely. Many of them are, conven- are, are Christians for the sake of convenience. They are what you call cultural Christians. So the moment persecution comes real, they'll fall away. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to have to deal with it. They want. They would rather. Um, um, stay as an um, upstanding figure within society. They would rather um, they, they they would rather do without the the um, the confrontation. They don't want to be ostracised from society. Right. So yeah. So so they will just toe the line. And so if it means that of having to shed their so-called cultural Christianity, then they will shed it. So we will see. A falling away persecution will be doing the refining and the real remnant, the real remnant of the church will be the ones left behind. They will the ones that will shine. They will be the ones that will stand firm until the end. And because they have trimmed their, their lamps and they have plenty of oil. Amen. And we're getting to the wise virgin uh, conversation again, which is so important. You brought some excellent points and I was thinking about that, Zechariah 14, the Lord will come out and fight mm. against those nations. That really lines up with Revelation chapter 19, which actually yes. takes place after yes. the Great Tribulation. So the persecution comes first. And, yeah. uh, you know, in my mind, what we should be doing right now with the little bit of light that we have left, I mean, uh, the darkness mm. is coming, and it's a gross darkness and a glorious light with it. But what we should be doing biblically that I see Right now is the ecclesia, the believers, the called out ones, the church. Every one of us are speaking spirits, and we should be prophesying uh, the future events. That's what it means. Prophesy the events that are to come. Number one, judgment upon everything that is evil, exposure to everything that is in the darkness. So at least people have an opportunity to see what is really behind the scenes, the demonic, wicked activity, the hypocrisy that is really going on in the world and the corruption so that they can turn to the Lord. They could run for their lives and say, my God, I was caught in a delusion. So I really believe prophesying, everybody could do that, Daniel. Everybody could prophesy. And the, the possibility then, because we do live in a generation, Daniel, you've taught it how many times, Israel has become a nation in our generation. Technology has yeah. exploded in our generation calling good evil and evil good has exploded in our generation people keeping themselves teachers having engineers exploded in our generation people traveling all over the world exploded in our generation so in our generation we have seen major biblical prophetic scriptures come into reality they are there and designed by god for us Mm -hmm. to take notice of so that we know what time it is and what we're supposed to be doing. So with Mm. the things we're to be doing, like you just said, gathering our oil, being salt, being light, working with the little light that we have, the potential is that this moment could lead into the next four years or three and a half years of some of the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth if the timing Mm -hmm. is right and God is now going to turn things over and allow things to go in that direction. There's nothing that says that can't happen, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Listen, what, what's going on at the moment? Look, I've said 
a number of times previously um, that first they will demonize you, then they will dehumanize you. First, they will demonize you, then they will dehumanize you. Listen, right at this moment, we are still in the demonization phase, although we are transitioning to the dehumanization phase, unfortunately. But look what's going on in the media. Look at the gaslighting that's been taking place. Um, and a lot of this, and this is why the events on January the 6th was so important to the left. And by the way, I believe that was the Reichstag fire moment. That was a Reichstag fire moment where they deliberately used that as a false flag. Now, I'm very, I need to be very careful when I say that word false flag, because <laughs> the moment that you say it, it invokes conspiracy theories, you know, theorism and all that kind of stuff. But I do believe that, that the whole, the events that happened on, the, on January the 6th was a false flag. The left have deliberately used it as a pretext for a number of different things. Number one, they're using it as a pretext to go for, to impeach Trump for the second time. Okay. They do not want him to run again in 2024. Secondly, they are using it to demonize his followers, to demonize the 75 million Americans who voted for him, possibly even more. Um, so that's what they're doing it to demonize them. Look at what they have been saying in the news media. Um, for example, on CNN, um, they were saying that Trump's followers are, are equal to terrorists, uh, Al-Qaeda. Um, someone was just saying just recently that Trump's followers are, 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 they are all white nationalists. They are white supremacists. They are terrorists. Um, and the thing is, and this is what infuriates me, is that when these people say these accusations, the person who's interviewing them, they don't flinch. They don't even batter an eyelid. It's like they're like, mm, yes. Mm. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're agreeing with them. These people can say, are saying the most outlandish accusations, saying that Trump supporters are basically radical terrorists that need to be reined in. And this is why we have the new uh, Secretary of Defense who has basically uh, ordered a cleansing of the U.S. military to remove all those who have any conservative leanings? Uh, it's it, it, it's 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 not good. It's not good at all. Uh, look, I can give you example after example of media talking heads who have been slamming Trump's followers as you know. I don't need to go on it, but here's the thing, and here's where it's heading. I believe that we are heading back into the pre-Constantine age of Rome. Pre-Constantine age of Rome. So we are moving back into reverse into the time of the Roman Empire where Christians were heavily persecuted. Uh, now, think about, talking about gaslighting, talk about, let's talk about Nero. Right mm -hmm. now, we, we talked previously about the Reichstag fire, by the way. And by the way, Hitler used that fire to blame it on the communists and to impose a state of emergency in which he could usurp more power. He used that to his, his advantage. It was a pretext for him to gain power. Now, talk about the Reichstag fire. Let's talk about 
the fire of Rome, right? So a fire consumed all of Rome. Now, who did Nero blame the fire on? Christians. Christians. Mm -hmm. He blamed it on Christians. Right. And this is and this is exactly what we are to expect in the in the days in the years ahead. The left are very good at gaslighting, very good at shifting the blame, insinuating the Christians are radical terrorists who are, who have a predisposition to violence. I mean, I had someone, <laughs> I had someone today share a um, an article on my Facebook page implying that very thing. By the way, it's written by a far left Christian guy. And listen, listen to his opening remarks. He says the insurrectionist attack upon the Capitol on January 6th was the most disturbing American moment since 9-11. Please, please, please. But look, you need to, and and look, I'll I'll go on and just to, to pick out, just so that you can see where he's going. He says, I don't place too much blame on the rank and file Christians who have departed from the true faith for the idolatry of religious nationalism. They are the inevitable disciples created by 40 years of evangelical nationalism. But I do blame the pastors, preachers, and false prophets who have led the sheep down this disastrous path. He says, Franklin Graham, Jerry Falwell Jr., Pat Robertson, Paula White, Robert Jeffries, and all the rest share a deep culpability in the distortion of Christians into the heresy of religious nationalism. They should know better, he says. So this is what we're up against. These are these so-called progressive Christians, uh, and progressive in, in, in uh, name only. Uh, they are anything but progressive. If anything, they are regressive, these people. These people are false teachers. These people are are pushing the 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 um, how can I say the um, the false dangerous philosophy that you read about in Colossians chapter two, in Colossians chapter two, where it says, "Be careful, or you'll be deceived by worldly philosophy." This is what leftism is, and and uh, the thing is, is that. These people in the, um, come across as being genuine disciples. These people, are um, they, they come across as being, what's the word that I'm looking for? Bleeding heart. Um, oh, you know, you know, these people are like, oh, it's all, they have this heart that's all humanitarianism. And that's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But these people are, are proponents of, of, of socialist policies. These people are proponents of identity politics, of, of, of Marxist principles dressed up in, Christian, um, uh, in a Christian facade. These people are dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. Um, and they need to be exposed and they need to be um, basically repudiated. So, but these, uh, this is what's going on in the church today, Vincent. This is a very, very strong movement. Incidentally, this same movement are very hostile towards Israel. No surprise. 
no surprises there. But this is, uh, but this movement, I believe, is only going to gain stronger. It's a social justice movement that's that's gaining traction within the church, and it's uh, it's something that is of a major concern because many many people are being deceived by it. Amen. All right. Well said. And again, getting back to Nero, false flags. Uh, when Nero blamed the church for the fire in Rome, which was a false accusation, uh, it, be, it turned out to be a nightmare for the church at that time. And uh, it would not be surprising to me or to many people that are out there. Uh, people see Joe Biden as a useful idiot is what they say. He's a useful. That's what idiot. Lenin called them. Yeah, he's a he's a shell of a man, if you will. And it wouldn't be surprising when they're done using him to get everybody else into position, the new administration, that they themselves, the left, would take him out. They would kill him and blame the Trump supporters. They would blame the right. They would blame the patriots and begin this new persecution. That would not be surprising to me because they need to use an event. I'm waiting for the uh, the the massacre that's ready to happen in this country just so that they can go after the guns. But I do believe yes. that God has something in the works that his people need to be aware of, and that is that the crosshairs are on Washington, D.C. right now. It is targeted mm-hmm. for disaster, uh, and that is a very real thing. I really believe that Ezekiel 22 and Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, made it abundantly clear this is the prophetic word of the Lord right now. So, uh, I, I think there's a great shaking coming and something that's going to take us leaps and bounds into the beginning of what the Bible calls the greatest tribulation ever hit the face of the earth. I, I maintain that. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, there will be a, a, a time of, of reckoning. Um, it's a, a good word. I think I think there will be a time of reckoning. I think that the lawlessness... And the absolute arrogance, the arrogance will be addressed, that God will address it. That's right. Um, how he will do that and when he will do that remains to be seen. Um, um, but I do believe that God is actually in the process of saying, come out of her, come out of her, my people. And I think that is, <laughs> it's true spiritually, but I think that there is also a, literal aspect to that uh, and this is one of the things i discovered when i i came out and spent some time with you guys but not just there but all over america from you know places in in, in texas and new jersey and a bunch of other places in, in tennessee where god is actually organizing areas where he's drawing his people out from these liberal strongholds and he is basically um settling them down in these other areas which i believe god will use as if there's no other word to say but safe havens the city of refuge mm-hmm. or, or refuge or city of ref, refuges i believe that these liberal strongholds these liberal cities that they're that they're um i see a handwriting on the wall and i believe that their time will come that there will be a serious retribution now i think now listen god is extremely patient and he and he takes his time he's long suffering um but even the door of the ark there was a time in which the door of the ark was slammed shut this is true in regard to individuals as as it is with nations you know god 
is patient and he is waiting for this person or for this nation to turn around and to correct things and to get things right. But if there is a continual rebellion, if there is a continual hardening of the of the of the forehead, <laughs> as the Bible says, or the the um, um, what's to say about the neck. Um, uh, but it, look, there is if there is a continual hardening, a continual rebelling, then God, there will be no recourse but judgment. There'll be no recourse in which, but God will actually have to be a, a time of reckoning. And I don't say that lightly because I, I do pray that the people will turn around, that people will come to their senses and will make amends and come to the Lord. Um, but there is a, I think there will be a time of reckoning. And, you know, it's interesting, Vincent, because I, I meet, meet so many people, even, I mean, you've heard the same stories of people who, who, who uh, come to Northwest Arkansas. In fact, I do actually, I remember preaching um, at, a, at, a, at one of the Feast of Tabernacles conferences. I think my message was, in, called, was called the End Time People of God. And I said that the people moving into Northwest Arkansas will say that they don't know why I'm here, um, but be, but they will say just like what place is awesome. This place is oops. He quoted uh, Jacob, in which just said, "This place is awesome. That um, the Lord is here, and I knew it not. The Lord's presence is here, and I was not aware of it. The Lord was doing something here." And I and I was completely oblivious to it, and I believe that God is is moving by His Spirit in these regions. He is drawing His people out into all these different areas, not just across America, but across the world. I know that even here in Australia, people are leaving um, very strong left wing strongholds. They're simply leaving because they they just can't tolerate it anymore, and they're coming out into into places in the uh, open country or moving away from the, from, from the burbs. You know, I think that there is a literal aspect to that, Vincent. I really do. When God says, come out of her, my people. Yes, we do it spiritually. We need to come out of that, that so-called Babylon, but there is a literal aspect that God is doing it more and more. My friend, um, Donnie up in, uh, in New Jersey, you know, him and his church elders fasted for a period of time, and God gave them 277 acres of land in South New Jersey. And now you know how expensive land is up there, but God made it happen, and God gave him a, a now vision and then a future vision. The now vision was to set up tiny houses for homeless veterans, but the future vision was that there will be a time when people will be fleeing, when people will be uh, trying to get away. And though this is the reality, uh, Christians need to start preparing. Listen, don't listen to the false prophets who say that 2021 is going to be your best year. You're going to prosper. You're going to have a big house. You're going to have a big car and you're going to move into your best year. Listen, if there's anything that the body of Christ needs to hear right now, it's to prepare. Prepare for persecution. Persecution is coming. It's coming to us in the West and there's no way around it. And uh, Christians are going to be the a horrible byword. Uh, Christians are, are going to become absolutely detested and hated. Uh, here in Australia, there was an uproar um, 
in regard to the Australia Day Honours, I think it was. But there was an uproar over Margaret Court. Now, if you don't know who she is, she's a, a famous tennis player. I think she had something like 10 Grand Slams or something. I, can't, I could be wrong. But anyway, she is a, also a very prominent Christian. She pastors a church in Western Australia, I think in Perth, Western Australia. Now, she has come out and, and taken a stand and said, I believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. And I believe that homosexuality is wrong, as the Bible says that it's wrong. So because she has taken that biblical stand, she has become the object of absolute... Uh, people just abhor her. They can't stand her. In fact, there was even uh, a, a number of um, Australian uh, celebrities or personalities who decided to hand their Australia Day award in, in protest, because Australia Day was considering honouring Margaret Court. That's where we're at, because an ordinary Christian who has ordinary, standard, run-of-the-mill, biblical views is considered an absolute outcast, and this is where we're at. As Orwell said, the further a society drifts away from the truth, the more it will hate those that speak it. And we're living in those days. We are living in those days. Uh, well said. I was thinking about the Nigerian persecution, the Syrian persecution, and mm. name a number of other persecutions. And what's so sobering about that, Daniel, is that these are Christians who believe in Jesus Christ who are being mm. murdered for their faith and a lot worse than just being murdered for their faith. They are being tortured. They are being killed. Mm. They are being tormented, raped, and every other horrible thing that could happen, burned alive in their villages, sent off into poverty, everything taken from them, children being uh, witnessing the death of their parents before their eyes. We've heard the reports of Boko Raham, uh, Raham, whatever that is, and uh, the Al-Qaeda and the ISIS and the Daesh and the ISIL and uh, Hezbollah and and all these terror groups out there. Now, what's interesting about that is that God is still on the throne while that's happening. You see, the God of the Americans is, uh, is he, he seems to be a different God than the Christians in Nigeria or in Syria or in other parts of the world, in the underground church in China. Um, hmm. And I don't understand that. The covering uh, that, and the protection that we've had governmentally is going away in our country. And the hmm. stripping away is going away. Now, God's protection is there for those who, like the Church of Philadelphia— I mean, God says that they have a little strength, but because they've overcome, they've honored his word. You know, there's just some reason why God is going to protect them and keep them from the hour of uh, temptation that's coming on the whole world. There will be people in arcs, and there will be people in the wilderness, and there will be, you know, uh, sectors of refuge and and, and places of safety. But there Mm -hmm. is a general persecution that, like you just said, we're going to see in the United States of America, a persecution because we're just there right now. We're absolutely there right now. And God is going to allow that just like he's allowed it in Nigeria, like he's allowed it in China and Syria and in all the other places of the world. We're no different. um, And it's going to be quite a wake up call, isn't it? It is. Let me read to you a tweet. Now this is a tweet. This was actually tweeted, uh, in January last year or February last year 
but this was written by a leftist. He was actually uh, um, running for Congress, Mark Judson for Congress. He's a leftist. This is what he says. He says, not proposing policy, just seeing where people are on this, he says. In 2021, after Trump is gone, gosh, he's confident, isn't he? He says, we will be able to tell who 90% of his supporters are via social media records. Whoa. <laughs> so, this guy, yeah, yeah. so this guy's running for Congress. This is what he says. He says, in 2021, after Trump has gone, we will be able to tell who 90% of his supporters are via social media records. He says this. He says, should we fire all of them from any federal jobs to include the military in order to protect the nation? Whoa. Isn't that? Would you say that again? He says, should we fire all of them from any federal jobs? Now, this is talking about 75 million Americans, right? Half of the country that voted, okay? Biden got 81 million, but I don't, I doubt, I seriously doubt that when you consider all the huckstering and and fraud that was going on. But it says, he says, this is talking about 75 million Americans. Should we fire all of them from any federal jobs to include the military in order to protect the nation? This guy is a communist. He is a communist. This is what he is suggesting, cleansing the military and the, the, all, and the government of all conservatives is setting up a communist country. Uh, but it gets, it gets more chilling than that. Really? Just recently, the Bank of America handed over information of private transactions of individuals who were present at the Capitol uh, on the, the, the January 6th um, um, incident in, in Washington, Bank of America handed over confidential uh, transaction information to the FBI, to the FBI, because of their involvement on January 6th in Washington. Absolute crazy. This is, it's just incredible. Now, AOC has already called for lists to be made. Lists to be made of all the, not just Trump uh, administration officials, but Trump supporters. He said, she said, we need to get names. We need to actually get them down. They need to be, they need to be punished. So this, this is where the left are. The left have shown incredible um, signs that they are moving towards a communist uh, society. And it's not just in America. In the UK, um, there was news that the, um, there were politicians in the UK that were trying to introduce a bill in which they would try to get their par- offer incentives to children to dob in their parents who have conservative views. So remember what Jesus said. He said, I will turn parents against their children and children against their parents. And this is, listen, this is a communist, this is a straight up communist um, tactic. This is what you see in every communist nation where the government, right, breaks down the authority within the family, breaks down the parental authority within the family and coerces children to dob in their parents. You know, coerces the parents to dob in their children. Mm-hmm. 
This is when the state becomes green authority, where it is basically set up like a god. And the subordinates, you know, like the, the institution of, of the family break, bows down to the institution of the government. This was never meant to be. See, God instituted three collective institutions, the church, the family, and the nation, okay? The church, the family, and the nation. Incidentally, the, the left is at war with all three. The left hates the church. The left hates the family. This is why they're doing everything they can to destroy the family and to just usurp parental authority, and they want to destroy the nation. They hate the concept of the nation. This is why many of them refer to themselves as globalists rather than nationalists. They hate nationalism. And at the moment, and this is another thing that this article brought up to, that my friend sent to me, it's, it's, it's talking about this whole thing about, of Christian nationalism, which I think is completely wrongheaded. It's wrongheaded. First of all, nationalism is an amoral concept. It's amoral. There is no moral attribute associated with nationalism. Why? Because there is good nationalism and there is bad nationalism. We've seen bad nationalism. Nazi Germany was an example of bad nationalism. Okay? We saw what happened with the Bolsheviks and the rise of the Soviet Union. That is bad nationalism. However, there is good nationalism. That we what we've seen with the United States over the past three hundred years. Okay? And that's why John Adams said that our constitution was made for a moral and virtuous people. It's wholly inadequate for the people of any other. So there, so for the, it's wrongheaded to, 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 to say that, you know, and a lot of these people are demonizing a lot of Christians as being Christian nationalists simply because they love their country and they love God. I think it's one of the most disingenuous, again, another example of gaslighting, that we've seen at the moment. There's nothing wrong with loving your country because God made you an American. God made me an Australian and I love my country. I'm grateful for my country. I'm grateful for the freedoms that it gives me. Okay. And that is a, a, a wonderful godly attitude to, to have of being thankful for the country that God has put placed you in. And again, this is all biblical. Let me read to you what Acts chapter 17 verse 26 says. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. God is a nationalist. God instituted the nations. Mm. Let me read to you Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 8. When the Most High gave their nations their inheritance. Who gave the nations their inheritance? God did. When he divided all mankind. How did he divide mankind? By nations. And he set up boundaries for the people according to the number of the sons of Israel. So things don't change. And when Jesus comes back and he establishes his millennial kingdom. He will, and we will, reign with him Amen. over the nations. Amen. Over the nations. Hallelujah. With a rod of iron and break them to shivers. Yeah. I mean, that is the reward of the overcomer. Yeah. I totally agree with that. 
Um, yeah. In just a moment here, Daniel, I know we're coming to the, at the end of our, our broadcast. You're welcome to stay on. Uh, I want to share with our listeners what I believe is a pure prophetic word uh, that, you know, people are going to have to judge it for themselves. It is a word that was released uh, this uh, earlier on today for me, yesterday for you and I right now. Um, it was a, it was a word out of Zephaniah three and Ezekiel twenty two. But when you hear this word, it is being presented as a word of knowledge, a prophetic word, what to expect, and the people need to really sit back and judge what they're hearing if they want to take the time to go the extra hour. We had a lot of technical difficulties before getting on the air today, so a lot of people weren't able to get this, so I want to play it again tonight right here when you and I are finished. So um, I would love for you to stand by, listen to it if you can. I know you've got some time, Uh, but either way, um, it's been an honor once again to have you with us and uh, share whatever right now on your heart you'd like to say to our listeners as we uh, begin to transition into uh, this prophetic word that I believe God is sending forth at this time. Yeah, I, I would just basically say, stay the course. Stay mm-hmm. the course. Stay the course. And, um, and just be care and don't be disheartened. Don't be disheartened, especially when the left t- turn up the attacks. Not just the left, but so-called leftist Christians are going to turn up the attacks as well. They are going to step up their attacks and trying to demonize Christians who love the Lord, love their country, love their family, and live according to those values. They're going to try to do everything they can to discourage them and try to deceive them uh, and to distract them and get them off off the path. So stay the course. And, and don't allow yourself to, uh, to be um, derailed. Um, th- we're going to enter, in, enter into times where it's going to be very, very challenging to, to be a, a, a Christian who, who stands by the word of God, a biblical Christian. It's, uh, and the enemy is going to throw everything that they possibly can at us. But we must remind ourselves, we must remind ourselves that even though things are going to get challenging, things can... The, the gospel will continue to go forth. Let me read to you a quote by Stephen J. Lawson. He says, the church is generally strongest when her opposition is the greatest. Amen. Ad- he says, adversity revives the church while right. prosperity ruins her. Mm. Wow. He said, the church is generally strongest when her opposition is the greatest. Adversity revives the church while prosperity ruins her. Let me and one last quote by Leonard Ravenhill. He said the early church was married to poverty, prisons, and persecutions. Today the church is married to prosperity, personality, and popularity. Wow. That's huge. You know what that reminds me of, Daniel? In the book of Hebrews, chapter eleven, you know, we read those first so many verses about all the heroes of the faith and how they quench the fire of of, of you know these different things. They waxed valiant in fight. They quenched uh, the, the, the mouths of lions. They overcame this. They did that. They were the heroes of the faith. But later on in the chapter, in chapter 11, it starts saying they were afflicted. They were tormented. They were sawn asunder. They yeah. were thrown in prison. And, and yet we think somehow that those people's faith wasn't as good as the other people's faith because the other people, they made them heroes and they had all these victories. These people wouldn't even accept 
deliverance so that they might have a better resurrection. And yet it was all faith, whether they were living and prospering, whether they were dying, it was the true faith of God. And that's something that we all are going to really uh, need to have a tremendous amount of in these last days. That's why Peter writes, what? Your faith being more precious than gold, though it be tried in the fire. It's the most important thing, isn't it? Amen. 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 All right. You good, sir? I'm good. But if I could just – yeah, well, I just want to read – No rush. I just, want to, I just want to read one last thing. I'm a big fan of this lady called Katie Forst. Uh, she lives up in, uh, I think, near Seattle in Washington, in Washington State. And she said this. She says, I understand the desire of some Christians who, who just who want to play it safe when it comes to the uh, to culture to the tune of, I just want to be about Jesus. But here's the reality, she says. Your faith in Christ has cultural implications about pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Marriage, biologic matters of religious liberty, stewardship of the natural world, protection of the most vulnerable, etc. Applying biblical truths to these cultural issues is what salt preservation and light illumination looks like in 2021. Mm -hmm. The world is desperate for the kind of sanity and clarity that your Christ-centered worldview can offer. What's more, Christians are the very people with the supernatural grit to resist the social and cultural pressure of our age because we do not live for the praise of men. So when you are confronted with a cultural falsehood, ask God to help you speak truth gently, but firmly. Like your savior, you will encounter backlash, but you will also be one of the few forces of illumination and preservation in an increasingly dark and decaying culture. That's all right. She is great, and that's a great statement. You said something earlier. I want to. I, it keeps coming back into my mind, uh, and, and Lord help me to to remember how this was presented. Uh, you were talking about um, the folks on the left, the progressives, yep. that are saying that ninety percent they will be able to know after Donald Trump is gone in twenty twenty one, the man that was running mm-hmm. for Congress, that we will be able to tell who the ninety percent of the Trump supporters mm-hmm. were with the intention of persecuting them. Yeah. And, and, and I think a lot of Christians, a lot of us, we, we stand back and we think, well, wait a second, uh, I'm a good guy here. I, I, I'm not an evil person. I'm not doing anything bad. Uh, we are supporting what we believe is right, and we do love our yeah. country. And we are conservatives, and uh, we love Jesus, and that's the reality. Uh, so because I'm a good guy and my message is balanced, uh, somehow they're going to look over me but that's really not how the persecutors operate. The God haters don't like good people. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. Yeah. So we shouldn't expect 100%. that we're just good people and because we're good. In America, it used to be if you're good, you didn't have any problems. But now you're saying if you're good, now you got some problems. Is that correct? A hundred percent. And they're going to use the media to do this, Vincent. That they mm-hmm. see the, the left own the media. Right. They, they basically run the media. And so they control the narrative. They control the narrative and they can the media can implicate. Listen, they can take a they can take a good guy, someone who's trying to do something great for the country and make him out to be a villain. They have the power to do that. And that is precisely what they are going to do 
with us Christians. Now, I want to quote something. Now, this is actually a quote from Malcolm X. Malcolm X was not a Christian, right? He was, in fact, he was, he was a, Muslim, a Muslim. That's correct. Muslim. Okay. But listen to what he had to say about the media, which I think is, is straight on the money. He says this. He says, the media is the most powerful entity on earth. They have the power to make the innocent guilty and to make the guilty innocent. And that's power because they control the minds of the masses. The press is so powerful in its image-making role, it can make the criminal look like he's the victim and make the victim look like he's the criminal. If you aren't careful, the newspapers will have you hating the people who are being oppressed and loving the people who are doing the oppressing. Yeah, it sounds it sounds just like what happened to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, yeah. the creator of heaven and earth 2,000 years ago, the satanic spirit that was in the religion of Judaism at that time. Yeah. Um, That's it. They, they persecuted him. They made him evil. They called him a devil, yeah. right? Yeah. I think it was Aristotle who actually said – I think he actually said it uh, years, hundreds of years, I think 100 years before Christ came on the scene. But he said, if ever a perfect man would walk the, this earth, they will crucify him. They said, if ever a perfect man would ever exist, he said, they will crucify him. <laughs> and then hundreds of years later, they did exactly that. <laughs> they did. They did. Yeah. It's the world we live in right now. Hey, by the way, it's good to see uh, Pastor uh, Kevin Honeycutt is with us today. Pastor Dave, all the way from South Dakota, is with us today. God bless you, men of God. It's been a long time since we've had a chat and a conversation. I'm glad you were able to tune in and listen. Um, I'd like to open the telephone lines, but Blog Talk Radio, I believe, has gone off the air, so I don't think we could receive any calls right now. But uh, I want to thank Doug Alley for uh, his comments on today's broadcast as well, and uh, Lena Gravina, Sean Woodson, and uh, all the rest that are up here as well. I see Evangelist Winade Mashi. Uh, I see also Sarah Anchorman from San Diego is with us today. God bless you, Sarah. I see Stephanie Piazza. I see Cindy Massman and uh, the rest that have been tuned into the broadcast. We're so glad that you did. Uh, Daniel, uh, I'm getting ready to share what I believe is a prophetic word for anybody that wants to stay the course, uh, wherever they are. Um, I think we've covered some really good ground. And I guess the final thought is... How are God's kids right now really going to stand in the gap mm-hmm. at this moment? And what exactly does that mean to stand in the gap in this very moment? Without whitewashing the cracks, standing in the gap, building a wall of righteousness, how's that going to mm-hmm. happen? Uh, look, with a lot of courage, a lot of courage. Ten years ago, it was a lot easier to be a Christian than it is right now. Uh, the culture wars are raging right now. Uh, and I think Christians, as I said before, Christians in the West are now learning just how difficult it is to be a Christian, that Christians in the East already figured out. In fact, I think I remember someone actually saying, um, it was actually it was a it was a pastor in the Middle East, and he was and this pastor in the Middle East baptizes 
a, a lot of his new converts are people who were previously Muslims. And what he would say to them when he baptizes them, he would ask them two questions. He said, he would say to them, um, such and such, uh, do, do you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And they would say yes. And then the next question would be, do you have a, an understanding and are you fully aware that if you follow Jesus, you could pay for it with your life? And then they say, yes. And the moment that they acknowledge that, then he will baptize them. Mm. And I just think, wow, that's, that's, that's incredible because I think it will come to a time in the West when we will be asking the same question of people following Jesus uh, living in the West, you know, uh, do you, do you commit your life to Jesus? Yes. But are you prepared? Do you acknowledge that by following Jesus cost you your life? Amen. Yeah. That's the answer. That is the answer. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right, Daniel. We need to stay in touch a little bit more. I think uh, I'm running my course here. I'm going to um, share this this video right now. I want to thank you for joining me on the broadcast. I'm going to step away from the microphone. I'm going to step away from the camera. I'm going to play a video from this morning, probably 12 hours ago or so, and uh, 13, 14 hours. And uh, it was the word of the Lord. I believe it was, but I'm I'm thankful that there are some uh, heavy hitters out there that can judge the word of God. And I would encourage everybody to do so that hasn't heard this word. And because um, it's very serious about the times we're in, and it's complimentary to everything you've been talking about. So I'm going to uh, release that right now. Daniel, I want to thank you for joining me on the air. And I'm going to share the screen. So, sir, God bless you. You're going to stay with us, or should I let you go? Uh, I, I have to prepare for a, a study okay. in a few hours. Okay. So I, I might need to, to head off. All right, I'm going to let you go. We love you, man. God bless you. Stay the course. Keep strong. You guys. Can't wait to hear from you again. More meat. See you next week. God bless you. Shalom. All right, Daniel Seckham joining us from Australia. Uh, I'm simply going to release what was done today. You be the judge for those of you that will stay with the broadcast. I'm going to share my screen right now and bring in this video from today. Uh, let's see how it goes here. Let's share the screen. And we're going to go ahead and let's see how I do this. Let's see if I could just put that on the relay. Uh, they fit to strange face for your new broadcast. No, we're not going to do that. So what was we're happening here, we were just a little anyways. bit. All um, uh, right. So I think we're doing, I think we're okay. I think we're okay. Okay. So we're, are we on live right now? So we had some technical difficulties earlier, but we'll get through it. Chris has me from Mexico. Hey, my friend, my, are you kidding me? All the way from Mexico. I love you too, brother. God bless you. It's been a long, long time. I wonder how things are going on down in Mexico. I see Mark. Well, if you're here, God bless you. Uh, now, Phil's saying he's not on blog talk. I'm going to so just uh, fast forward this. this. Hear me. January 20th, after the inauguration of Joe Biden, the fake 
inauguration, most likely. And I think that's what all this uh, controversy is about. Um, a lot of people in this country just have not accepted uh, Joe Biden's inauguration, just like people when Donald Trump won four years ago uh, did not accept his inauguration. So I want to keep things on a more uh, spiritual plane. I don't want to just condescend into what's happening on Earth as though American politics is the most important thing to God, because it's not. Um, but we are in something that we need to understand. And the only reason why I am pursuing this at all is because of the dream that was given. And for those of you that follow the ministry, you know that we had a dream. Joe Biden, 16 months ago, had the dream that he won the election, blue suit, blue tie. It's exactly what he was wearing when he was inaugurated. So I figure if God's giving a prophetic dream about a future event, then there has to be meaning behind it. I thought the meaning was 1 Kings chapter 1. We gathered people together. We went to the Capitol buildings, and we shouted the same way they shouted. The only difference was that they had a whole bunch of folks doing it, and here we had uh, a few people. But there were people across the nation that were shouting because of the attempted coup of Adonijah. Remember 1 Kings chapter 1, Adonijah and all of his administration set himself up as the king, but David said, no, you're not the king. Solomon's the king. So there was all this controversy. Now in 1 Kings, it was just a one-day deal. I mean, they went down, the Cherethites and all the special military forces and the prophet and the priest, they anointed Solomon. The people shouted and they piped, and in one day, it was all overthrown. Well, here we are thousands of years down the road looking at a type and shadow, and I still do not believe that the call of the people who shouted on that day, December 7th, that the heavens opened and our sound was heard. So even though I've been in an absolute pause waiting to hear from the Lord about this moment in time and what is transpiring, what is going on in our country, what's going on in the world right now. So I have waited and waited and waited, and while I've been waiting, I've been doing what Patricia and I have been called to do, which is feed the flock of God. So we have been preaching the word like we've been called to do to the flock of God to strengthen them for whatever it is that we can expect to come down the pipe. Never have I in my pause thought, well, it's all normal now and everything's okay. No, I've been waiting to hear in my spirit the thing that God would say. And I believe that what I'm about to share with you is a thus saith the Lord. Now the timing of this word being fulfilled is completely and totally in the hands of God. I mean, he revealed something 16 months in a dream before it actually happened. And so what is it that we, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the church, can expect in the days ahead? What are we looking at? What does it feel like from a biblical perspective? And what are we going to see in the world? What are we going to see in America? What are we going to see in Washington, D.C.? And I'm going to focus this message on what I believe God's word is saying about Washington, D.C. And everything's going to focus to D.C. We're going to get away from the general population of America, and we're going to listen to what God is saying is going to transpire in Washington, D.C. As today, they're beginning a second impeachment, which some say is constitutional, others say is non-constitutional against President Donald J. Trump. So that's going on. There is a great degree of hilarity and some uh, mockery and, and just a, 
a, I don't know how to describe what it's like, but a gloat coming from the left and the progressives and their punishment of this president is very interesting. So what happens in Washington, D.C. is going to affect the rest of this country, and it's going to affect the rest of the world. That we could be assured of. Washington, D.C. is in the crosshairs. It is targeted, and you'll be surprised of who the enemy really is of Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C., let me say it again, is targeted. It is in the crosshairs for destruction, and the enemy of Washington, D.C. may surprise some of you who it actually is that is targeting Washington, D.C. And the one that is targeting Washington, D.C. has a tremendous amount of weaponry. We're going to read about it in the Bible. So we're going to let God's word speak and see if the shoe fits, okay? So what I want to do is begin that we are in Zephaniah. I'm going to Zephaniah chapter 3. Phil just asked me, can you state today's date to verify? Uh, absolutely can. Today is February 9th, 2021. February 9th, 2021. And uh, let's plan to succeed. Okay, so let's get to Zephaniah chapter 3 and then we'll chat, okay? Zephaniah chapter 3, I'm going to begin in verse 1. And I'm going to use the living translation. And if we need to go back to the King James, we certainly will. But I think in this matter, I've read both, and I think we're okay. Now, again, I am giving you what I believe is a thus saith the Lord towards Washington, D.C. Today, February 9th, 2021, in my momentary pause, waiting to hear from the Lord, this is the message that he dropped into my spirit. And now I'm going to drop the Lord's message over the airwaves. And I'm going to direct these words to Washington, D.C. That's how God has put it to me. You could be the judge. Do with it what you will. Pray, prepare, fast, get ready. And we're going to talk about some really awesome things that God has in mind for you. The ecclesia, true things, real things that I think are going to be extremely important for our lives. And so without further ado, I want to get into Zephaniah chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, how terrible it will be for rebellious, polluted Jerusalem. Now, what I'm going to do is take some liberty, which I have a biblical right to do, because we can look at types and shadows and, and samples, kind of like Sodom and Gomorrah was set as an example to anybody that would follow their role, right? I mean, that's in the New Testament, that the, the new covenant minister of God could look at a society and see if it starts looking like Sodom and Gomorrah. You could pretty well tell it what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah is going to happen to you. Well, in this liberty, in this license, I'm going to replace Jerusalem with Washington, D.C., because Jerusalem was the capital of Israel. And we're going to talk about the capital of the United States of America, Washington, D.C., and hear what the word of the Lord has to say. How terrible, Washington, D.C. It will be for rebellious, polluted Washington, D.C., the city of violence 
and crime. It proudly refuses to listen even to the voice of the Lord. That's why it proudly uh, promotes legislation like homosexuality and lesbianism and abortion and the shedding of innocent blood and pornography. All of these things were licensed and legislated by the Supreme Court of the United States, contrary to the voice of God and wisdom and reason. It didn't mean you had to be a Christian nation, Supreme Court of the United States. It just means the wisdom of God to protect society, the psyche of society, is very clear. I mean, protect the psychological uh, part of our nation. Protect the mind of the masses. Protect the mind of the little children. How do you do that? Well, you don't pro promote pornography. You don't promote homosexuality. You don't promote abortion. And yet the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C. has done exactly that and much more. And you're going to find out that what they've done is a lot worse than what the prophet Zephaniah was actually referring to. So again, it proudly, that is Washington, D.C. and its leaders, proudly refuse to listen even to the voice of the Lord. No one can tell it anything. No one can tell D.C. anything. They are the secret society. They are the swamp. They are the deep state. They are what presidents of the past have called the invisible government who answers to nobody and is responsible to no one. My God, these things were known since the 1800s about what's going on in Washington, D.C., for goodness sake. So it refuses all correction. So in other words, any kind of correction or judgment or stripes that may come in their direction, it doesn't, re it doesn't repent, kind of like what happened on November 6th. I would think a lot of the people in the Congress in Washington, D.C. would have noted that there were some, so many people that were discontent with the way that they do things. And then rather than just slamming them and throwing after them and going to sit back with wisdom and say, why are you so angry? Well, probably the same reason why for nine months we allowed Antifa, Black Lives Matter, protests, burning windows, breaking laws, criminal activity, hurting, killing, shooting people, while the left was saying, let them vent. Don't do anything to impede their frustration. What hypocrisy. We've said it too many times to repeat that again. But here it says... That Washington, D.C. refuses all correction. They won't hear anything. It does not trust in the Lord or draw near to its God. And obviously, D.C. is not drawing near to God by promoting laws that offend God, right? I mean, that's just common sense. Verse 3, its leaders, all right, leaders in Washington, D.C., these leaders may be Congress, Senate, uh, princes, judges, judiciary, White House, whoever, these are the leaders of Washington, D.C., its leaders are like roaring lions, hunting for their victims, out for everything they can get. Oh, the greedy dogs in Washington, D.C., the greedy politicians, the greedy senators, the greedy Congress, the greedy representatives, the greedy judges. Well, who are they? Well, according to God, its judges are like ravenous wolves at evening time, who by drawn or who by dawn have left no trace of their prey. So God's prophet Zephaniah says that the judges of Israel, the judges of Jerusalem, the judges of Washington, D.C. are like ravening wolves, 
mad, ravening wolves, and they don't leave anything of the prey before dawn. They eat it all up. Verse 4 is even a worse indictment against Jerusalem, Washington, D.C. Its prophets are arrogant liars seeking their own gain. I wonder what kind of prophets were surrounding the White House and the presidency in the last four years. We haven't heard much. We don't know much. But Zephaniah tells us plainly that the prophets are arrogant liars, probably preaching peace and safety or whatever. I don't know. I wasn't there. But they were seeking their own gain. I hope that wasn't the truth. But Zephaniah says it was. Well, it's priests defile the temple by disobeying God's laws. People aren't obeying God's laws in D.C. But the Lord is still there in the city, and he does no wrong. So the Lord's witness, his presence, is still there. He's not doing anything wrong. Day by day, his justice is more evident. Well, you're seeing the evidence of God's divine justice show up, aren't we? But no one takes notice. See, they're not noticing the justice of God that was in their city and that is in their city. The wicked know no shame. You see, these wicked people in Washington, D.C., they don't have any shame. They have no guilt or repentance or compunction. They don't want to sit down and chat and talk with the discontented Americans with their evil, wicked policies that they've promoted for a generation to bring our nation into the condition that it's in right now. I mean, that's a fact. You know it's true. So God says here in verse 6, I have wiped out many nations. Listen, Washington, D.C. I have wiped out many nations, devastating their fortress walls and towers. Their cities are now deserted. Their streets are in silent ruin. There are no survivors to even tell what happened. I thought surely they will have reverence for me now. In other words, Washington, D.C., the proud, arrogant blasphemers of uh, this generation who are evil and wicked, who promote evil in the face of God. So God's saying, I thought you guys would have learned your lesson. But you are most proud. You believe, really, you believe you're in control. You are the ministers of theosophy. You are the ministers of the occult. You are the ones who drink the blood of the innocent. And you are the ones who defile the things of God and have become so debased and defiled and corrupt in your minds and in your nature that even though I've warned you of what I've done to others— you have no fear of the Lord in you. So, he says, I thought surely they will have reverence for me now. Surely they will listen to my warnings so I don't need to strike again. But no. However much I punish them, they continue their evil practices. From dawn till dusk and dusk till dawn. Hmm. What is the indictment of God against Washington, D.C. today? You are evil. You are wicked. You are hypocrites. And that's the word of God. Okay, that's what God says. 
And he says, I'm going to send a, a force against you, against the hypocritical nation in Isaiah chapter 10. So all I'm doing is warning, once again, Washington, D.C., of what's coming. You are in the crosshairs. You are targeted for destruction. And you don't know it because you're so proud. You're so arrogant. You think you're the masters of the world. And you think that you're in control. But listen to the truth. It says in verse 8, So now the Lord says, Be patient. Okay, saints of God, be patient. The time is coming soon. The time is coming soon when I will stand up and accuse this evil, this evil Washington, D.C. For it is my decision. Now, listen to this. God's going to take it into a global setting. He said, for it is my decision to gather together the kingdoms of the earth and pour out my fiercest anger and fury on them all. All the earth will be devoured by the fire of my jealousy. Wow. Well, it gets a little bit more intense in Ezekiel chapter 22. In Ezekiel chapter 22, the prophet Ezekiel was sent to Jerusalem as well. And I want to read his words because they are extremely profound. And what, what you know, that last part of Zephaniah 3, 8 in the, in, in the King James says, for my determination is to gather together the nations to assemble the kingdoms, to put them together. This is really God allowing a one world government. And this is why the gloating is going on right now in CNN, the left, the progressives, the globalists, uh, the one-worlders, the New Agers, the, the occult, the theosophy, uh, adherence, et cetera, et cetera. This is the culmination. And God is saying it's my determination to gather them together, to assemble them. Let them come to their one-world government. Let them gather together as the United Nations. Let them come together because my determination is I'm going to pour out my wrath upon them. And you see that actually in Revelation chapter 16. We're in Revelation chapter 16, after the great tribulation, after the saints of God are purified and purged through the greatest tribulation ever hit the face of the earth, the persecution, the time of the beast, the time of mystery Babylon, you know, all these things. Well, God in Revelation 16 has seven vials of his wrath that he pours out upon the nations of the earth, the whole beast kingdom, the global agenda. So it's going to happen in a totality, in a finality. But be assured, it's happened before. God has done this before in the days of Jeremiah, in the days of the prophets of old. God has dealt with nations that were gathered together and assembled, and he has spoiled their dominions. And I believe that God is about to move his hand once again. Listen to the voice of the prophet Ezekiel when God tells him to prophesy. And again, these are the words of God. This is a thus saith the Lord. To Washington, D.C. Today they're gloating. Today they are arrogantly boasting. Today they are fueling the fire of their hypocrisy. This is what God says. Now, <clears throat> this message came to me from the Lord. <clears throat> Son of man, <clears throat> are you ready 
to judge Jerusalem. That's what it says. He would say today to Ezekiel, son of man, are you ready to judge Washington, D.C.? Now, how do we judge Washington, D.C.? By prophesying. You see, this is what I was sharing with the church last week. Our job right now is not to just repeat narratives. Our job right now as an ecclesia is to begin to prophesy to the wickedness, prophesy to the evil, prophesy to the hypocrisy. So he says, are you ready to judge? And I'm going to ask you today, are you ready to judge Washington, D.C.? for their crimes against humanity, for their hypocrisy, for their wickedness against God, for their shedding innocent blood, for their wicked, perverse, sexual, twisted, debauched ways. Are you ready to judge? Well, Ezekiel said, you betcha. And God went on to say, are you ready to judge this city of murderers? Washington, D.C. is a city of murderers. Oh, there's so much bloodshed on the hands of Washington, D.C. just by their legislation of abortion. Oh, but there's a lot more blood on the hands of D.C. So are you ready to judge this city of murderers? Denounce her terrible deeds in public. That's what I'm doing. You want to get upset with me? Get upset with God. God said, do it in public. And everybody in the church ought to be doing the same thing. Every true believer in the gospel and the word of God ought to be doing the same thing right now. We should all be ready to drop the word of the Lord on the doorstep of Washington, D.C., from the White House to the Capitol building, to all the judiciary, to the princes and the Senate, to the Congress. Drop your words, church, the word of the Lord, not our own. And he said, do it in public. Denounce her terrible deeds in public. Oh, my God, I don't want to say that. Don't be afraid to do what God tells you to do, saints. Verse 3, and give her this message from the sovereign Lord. So we're going to give Washington, D.C. a message today. We're going to prophesy it. Even while they're having their little gig over there with their, their, their farce of impeachment, okay? Give them this message. From the Lord, okay? Washington, D.C., this is from the Lord. You folks that are listening in with the alphabet agencies, this is from the Lord. This is what the Lord says to the all the agencies listening in, okay, hear it very clearly. It's from the Lord against Washington, D.C. Be careful who you're protecting, okay? O city of murderers, doomed and damned, city of idols, filthy and foul, you are guilty of both murder and idolatry. Wow, when you start seeing the list of the senators in the Congress that are being bribed because they are on the blacklist of some of the most wicked things that go on in Washington, D.C., or getting on the airplanes and flying to Jeffrey Epstein's pedophile island, 
I bet a whole bunch of those boys in Congress and in the Senate don't want their names coming out that they were on the Lolita Express. But I want you to know, even though you murder the people that know your name, and even though you bury all these things and hide from the light, you have not hidden from God. You are exposed by God Almighty. He knows what you have done. He knows. And it should terrorize you, but you don't believe in God. So you're just going to have to wake up to the reality because God says, your day of destruction has come. Washington, D.C., the word of the Lord, your day of destruction has come. You have reached the end of your years. You have reached. This is from the Lord, Washington, D.C. This is the word of God from the prophet Ezekiel, the word of God. Sodom and Gomorrah, tell everybody, tell every nation for thousands of years, if you ever act like Sodom and Gomorrah, you're going to receive the same penalty she did. So when the Washington, D.C., the capital of America, acts like the capital of Israel, Jerusalem did, you're going to get the same reward. It's the same God. It's the same word of God. And the reason why the words of God in judgment will be fulfilled is because you haven't repented. You haven't turned away from the evil of your doings. That's the word of the Lord. He says, I will make you an object of mockery throughout the world. Washington, D.C., you will become a mockery. Those who mock today will become a mockery around the world tomorrow. You mock, you gloat, you are the evening wolves and devouring everything that is good and right. Your day of destruction, according to what God says, is coming. You're going to be made a mockery throughout the world. Oh, infamous city with confusion. Oh, infamous city filled with confusion. You will be mocked by people both far and near. Washington, D.C., you are a confused people. You call evil good, and you call good evil. The real people that were trying to save this republic, the patriots of the United States, the Christians, the conservatives, who saw your imbalanced, perverse actions, who tried to stand up and say, we shouldn't be murdering little babies. We shouldn't be having men marry men and women marry women. We shouldn't be affecting the social psychology of our nation and our little children by promoting pornography and evil and wickedness of every kind of debauchery. The people that were standing up for the sovereignty of the republic, the sovereignty of the democracy, the sovereignty of our nation, you've called them evil. You've called good evil. And you've called evil good. The people that promote wickedness and lewdness and unrighteousness, that devour what is good and right. You will be mocked by people both far and near. And that's coming. Every leader in Jerusalem who lives within your walls, 
is bent on murder. Murder of light, murder of truth, murder of children, murder. Fathers and mothers are contemptuously ignored. Resident foreigners are forced to pay for protection. Orphans and widows are wronged and oppressed. These were the indictments against Jerusalem. The indictment against America is 10,000 times worse. Inside your walls, you despise my holy things and violate my Sabbath days of rest. People accuse others falsely and send them to their death. There's a lot of that going on. So far, they're just being sent to prison for their false accusations. But I wonder when the murder is going to begin. You are filled with idol worshipers and people who take part in lewd activities. Come on, Washington, D.C., you know it. Lewd, vile. Filthy, foul are the words of God. I'm not making them up. That's what the word says. Men sleep with their father's wives and have intercourse with women who are menstruating. Lewd, wicked, out of control. Within your walls live men who commit adultery with their neighbor's wives who defile their daughters-in-law, or who rape their own sisters. Ooh, Washington, D.C., you brood of butters, you breed of evil men. What are you doing with your inbreeding, when you, with all of these things that take place in your secret societies, in your elect societies, in your roundtable societies? What have you done, you homosexuals, you incestuous people? You breeding nettles. My God, he says it. This is the Lord saying it. There are hired murderers, lone racketeers, and extortioners everywhere. Yes, Washington, D.C. You've been filled with these things for a long time. They never even think of me and my command, says the sovereign Lord. You're so full of it, you can't think of anything concerning the Lord. He's an afterthought. He's a phraseology to deceive the people that look at you for your next term in office. Hypocrites, liars. This is the word of the Lord, not the word of a man. Verse 13. But now I clap my hands in indignation over your dishonest gain and bloodshed. Right now, every person that will ever hear this message, you ought to clap your hands over and in indignation. The righteous people of God ought to clap their hands in indignation over the dishonest gain and bloodshed in Washington, D.C. How strong and courageous will you be in my day of reckoning? Oh, You're strong and courageous now in Washington, D.C. You think you've got the power. You think you're in control. You think that God doesn't see, God doesn't hear, God doesn't know, God doesn't understand. You act like you're the righteous people when you're filled with depravity and wickedness. 
Well, how strong and courageous will you be in my day of reckoning? January 6th, hardly anything happened in reality, and you were terrified. You hypocrites. You're acting like it, it was the worst day in the world because some people walked through the Capitol building. They walked through it, and you were terrorized for your lives. You cowards. You hypocrites. I mean, it's so embarrassing for you. So now you're amassing all this power. Joe Gellin says those bad people. But as long as people were burning businesses and churches and gathering in streets, defecating on the city, as long as it didn't come near you, you were okay with that in Washington, D.C. You advocated, let them burn it down. But they just walked through your capital and terrified you. And I could say some things that I don't want to say right now about you and your cowardice and what you did when they walked through your capital. They did nothing against you. They walked and you were terrified. You hid and you terrified for your lives. Oh, that's nothing compared to what's coming. According to God's word, he says, how courageous and strong are you going to be in the day of my reckoning? The day of reckoning is coming on Washington, D.C., according to God's heart. I, the Lord, have spoken. Are you beginning to understand why Washington, D.C. is in the crosshairs and it's targeted? Are you beginning to see who the enemy really is? The enemy of Washington, D.C. is God Almighty. And he will raise up a weapon of war against Washington, D.C. But do you understand? It's not China. It's not Iran. It's not Islam. It's not the patriots. The enemy of Washington, D.C. is God, the Lord God Almighty, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's your enemy, Washington, D.C., and he's got many weapons to take you out. And he's warning you, you are going to be taken out through what means only God knows. But you had people walking, men and women, walking through your Capitol building, and you didn't handle it very well. You were so afraid. You were so terrified. <clears throat> I will do what I have said, says the Lord. I will scatter you among the nations and purge you of your wickedness. And when you have been dishonored among the nations, you will know that I am the Lord. God did it before. He's about to do it again. Verse 17. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Watch out. Washington, D.C., hear this message. This is from the Lord. Son of man, the people... In Washington, D.C., in a large part in this country, are the worthless slag that remains after silver is smelted. So you get all the impurities out of the silver, and that's what the people are like, useless, reprobate. Reprobate means a useless mind. Homosexuals are reprobate. Lesbians are reprobate. Transgender people are reprobate. Those that participate in pornography are reprobate. The word of God says it in, in Romans chapter one. They are 
reprobate, which simply means they are useless in their mind to the Lord. They, can't, they have no use. And that's what he was saying, that they are worthless slag that remains after silver is smelted. They are the dross that is left over. That's what the inhabitants of America are becoming. A useless mixture of copper, tin, iron, and lead. So give them this message from the sovereign Lord. Because you are all worthless slag. I will bring you to my crucible in Jerusalem, in Washington, D.C. I will melt you down in the heat of my fury. Just as copper, tin, iron, and lead are melted down in a furnace. I will gather you together and blow the fire of my anger upon you. Inhabitants of America, are you hearing? Are you hearing what's ready to happen to you? Don't you want to repent? Don't you want to ask God to forgive you for your wickedness against him? Or are you going to follow the theosophists in your society? Are you going to follow the people that tell you it's okay to be a homosexual, a lesbian, you're still going to heaven. They're lying to you. It's okay. It's not okay. You are deceived. And your eternal soul is weighed in the balance. Is there room for repentance? Yes. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved from your debauchery and sin like everybody else. Or are you believing? All these liars in Hollywood, in the media, are you believing the social gurus of today that make claim that all these things are acceptable with the Lord? They're not. Is there any repentance left? It sounds like God's saying, no, I will gather you together and blow the fire of my anger upon you, and you will melt like silver in fierce heat. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have poured out my fury on you. America is going to have to endure this. The American people, the people in America are going to feel the fiery indignation of the Lord. God is going to pour out his fire and his fury upon this nation. Courageous and bold in their iniquity today, running like they did on January 6th in the Congress, fearing for their lives will be like their tomorrow. This is the word of the Lord. This is not the word of a man. Do you want to accuse God? You can. But this is what God is saying to a hypocritical nation. This is what God is saying to the people that are evil and wicked, running things in Washington, D.C. He went on to say, again, a message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, give the people of America Washington, D.C., this message. Give it to them, publicly state it. In the day of my indignation, this is to the leaders, you will become like uncleared wilderness or a desert without rain. Your princes, that's your judges, your Supreme Court, your Senate, your Congress people, all the decision makers, your princes, plot conspiracies just as lions stalk their prey. They devour innocent people, the real innocent people that have done nothing. They devour them because they're afraid of them. 
What they're really afraid of is the word of the Lord. Seizing treasures and extorting wealth. Oh, that's the pirates in D.C. are many. They increase the number of widows in the land. Your priests have violated my laws and defiled my holy things. The priests in D.C., the spiritual leaders are so compromised. To them, there is no difference between what is holy and what is not. And they do not teach my people the difference between what is ceremonially clean and unclean. We won't even tell the nation anymore what's right and wrong. We tell our nation and our children, evil things are right and right things are wrong. You used to stand up for what is right, but today if you stand up for what is right, you are evil. We used to condemn evil, but now we promote evil. Oh, how confusing. They disregard my Sabbath days so that my holy name is greatly dishonored among them. I don't give God even a day. Your leaders are like wolves who tear apart their victims. They actually destroy people's lives for profit. They hire agencies to destroy righteous people for their own profit. And your prophets announce false visions and speak false messages. America will be great. Everything's going to be all right. The best days are coming. Prosperity and wealth is on the way. Liars. You've always been liars. You prophesied peace and safety when the nation was rebelling against God. And now God is about to clean his prophetic ministry. He's going to purge it. And they're still fighting to be right. But their message is wrong. They say, my message is from the sovereign Lord. When the Lord hasn't spoken a single word to them, they repair cracked walls with whitewash. All these words of the so-called prophets today are nothing but whitewash, covering the cracks so that they could continue to get gain for themselves by speaking smooth things and tickling people's ears. What a shame. Even common people oppress the poor, rob the needy, and deprive the foreigners of justice. Listen to this indictment. You ready? This is the Lord speaking. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. The wall of righteousness that guards the land, America. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. Well, Donald Trump tried to build a wall. But you got to make sure when you build a wall to protect from foreign powers that you don't allow evil corruptions within. Now, I know this for a fact. I had this dream 29 some odd years ago. Well, God actually spoke to my heart, and he took me into a church in Los Angeles, California. I saw America. I'm just remembering this right now. I, and I've spoken on this before. I saw America with military power all around it, like a big force, a wall, protecting from the evil that was coming in. But then God took me into the nation. He took me to a mega church. This is way back in the 80s or 90s. And he showed me 
the corruption in the church. So we had a nation protected, but he said inside, he showed me it was decaying with rot. In America, exactly that. So even though you had a wall, you got to make sure that within the wall, the people are righteous. If you're going to build a righteous wall, which means you got to overthrow the laws of pornography and homosexuality and abortion. You got to overthrow Burrow versus Wade. But it wasn't done. The energies were put somewhere else. And blasphemy continued to flow out of the television screens into our homes in America. Pornography continued to run rapid. Homosexuality was still ongoing in every part of its agenda. Come on. So he says, I look for someone to stand in the gap so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. But I found no one, not even the church. Not even the church has been willing to stand in the gap and to build a wall of righteousness. Today you go to church and they're preaching sin is okay. They're light. They're treacherous. They are watered down. Their message is not from the Lord. I'm not talking about legalism, holier than thou, wild-eyed fanatic. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about just the people, just the pastors, for goodness sake, in the pulpit that would preach the righteousness of God, repentance, confession, take up your cross, deny yourself, put away your sin, put off your old man, put on the new man. It's not being preached. It's all about toleration, capitulation, cuddling. So now, this is God's word still. So now I will pour out my fury on them, even the church, consuming them in the fire of my anger. I will heap on them the full penalty penalty for all their sins, says the sovereign Lord. This message is why my computer wouldn't work. Why the enemy, I wanted to throw off so many people from hearing the words of God for this reason. Looks like the only place we're broadcasting right now is on YouTube. We're not on blog talk. I'm not so sure we're even broadcasting on Omega Radio, certainly not on Facebook. But you heard the message. What say you? What is your thought to what you just heard? I only shared what I've been waiting to hear from the Lord. If God would have said to me, Vincent, if he would have downloaded and dropped his words in my spirit that were peace, good things are going to happen, don't worry about anything. Now, are some really good things going to happen for God's elect, for God's remnant? Yes. They're powerful things that God's going to do. You want me to share some of them with you? I can share with you what God's ready to do to the overcomers, to the remnant, to those who sigh and cry for the abominations that are committed in the land. Did you hear sighing today? Did you hear crying? Not with tears, of but did you hear crying? Crying out against the injustice in the land? Well, if you resonated with that, you're one of them who sigh and cry for the abominations committed in the land. There's a mark getting ready to be put on your life a mark of preservation and protection and a mark of God's favor and blessing upon your life to keep you. I believe that. 
See, people are trying to save their lives by not saying anything, but they're losing their lives by being silent. There are those that are losing their life. They know that what they're saying is God's truth, and they're going to get hurt for it. But God says, I'll protect you from that hurt. What did you hear today, saints? What did you hear? Well, I'm going to go through the chat room here. Let's see. Got a few folks on the chat room. If you'd like to weigh in, we don't have any other way to do this, but I will. Let's see. Let's start right here. My brother Mark Anderson says, 16 years later, have to run, have a great show, people waiting on me, love you. Okay, Mark, love you too. Marissa's watching on YouTube. Kenneth Bruns, good morning from the Frozen Chosen, too, in South Dakota. We have you on our iPad. Good to see you both. Love to hear what you have to say about what you just heard. Kevin Hauger, I hear static a little bit on blog talk. Okay. Uh, I hear someone coughing. Okay. Is this the, the, the River Christian Center? Pastor, we can hear you on YouTube. Praise God for my brother, Jeff, Pastor Jeff. Uh, Kevin Hauger, Facebook is dead. No feed. Fair enough. Phil, can you stay today's date? We did that. Uh, Keith Carey, good morning, Pastor Vincent and Carol Carey and Kevin Hauger and everyone. I'm here. What to believe in print, question mark. The left was planning to succeed from the union. Certain states, if President Trump won, wish they would have. All right, can you state, um, on blog talk, Mamma Mia, Vinny Pots and Pants, uh, Lynn Fid, good morning, Pastor V. Good morning, Lynn. God bless you. Charles Eastridge uh, says, amen. Charles says, they, yeah, they have. This is right on. Uh, spot on, Vinny, from Vinny Pots and Pants. Who knew the way... To stop a riot is to just put up red velvet ropes, LOL. Uh, they are pure wicked. Lynn Fid says, Bella Vista misses you. Bella Vista misses you. What does that mean, Lynn? Charles Eastridge, yeah, it is. They are so fake. River Christian Center, Pastor Vincent, amen. What a word. DC, denied Christ. Ah, denied Christ. Dark cloud. And NDC, destruction coming. God has spoken. Wow. That's amazing. DC stands for denied Christ, dark cloud, destruction coming. God has spoken. Well, Pastor Jeff, the answer, Pastor Jeff says, is repentance. And we must call out to the Lord and cry to him for salvation. Let us pray for his grace and mercy. Let's do that right now. I want to pray with you today. And I was told by my brother, Make sure you pray for exposure. Pray for exposure. Let's do it right now. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I stand in agreement with all of your word. Father God, I stand in agreement with your word that was ministered here today. And I ask, Father, for the gift of repentance in all of our lives, in all of our hearts. I pray that the beginning of wisdom, which is the fear of the Lord, would enter into our hearts that you would forgive us for our sins, that we would be righteous by our actions and truly and indeed the righteous saints of God in our generation. I pray that we would be part of that remnant and the overcomers, that we would walk through the fire and that you would be with us. And while the dross is coming out, that the purity is coming forth in our lives. I ask that your light and your glory will shine on this continent and in this nation, 
And I pray that your light that shines on it will expose the darkness in the name of Jesus Christ. Even in Washington, D.C. today, I pray that every facade, every trick, every narrative, every script that is being followed will be overwhelmed by a light they did not expect. Father, you have spoken hardly this day against Washington, D.C. You have put words in the mouths of those that would be willing to speak. I believe they are true. And I believe your divine justice is at the door. And whatever will be in your perfect time, your word is gone forth. Father, when I hear your words, I hear of total annihilation in the city of destruction. And Father, you have revealed that a time would come within this nation, several cities in the United States of America would be taken out. You have warned your people to prepare. You have taught us how to pray. You have kept us above the cloud of deception into the word of your truth. And we are thankful for that. And Father, I know that you are a God of love and mercy and compassion and kindness, full of grace and forgiveness. And your desire is not that any would perish. I know this. And yet, the evil pushes at your heart. They cross lines. And Father, I hear in your heart today that the line has been crossed. And whatever you're about to do, my prayer for those listening is that we all would be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. Father, as you are about to destroy the world, you had Noah put away in an ark. Noah condemned the world to destruction by his faith. And I know that these words are a condemnation to the world. You are going to release whatever powers you desire to execute this judgment that has now been written and spoken over this nation and against Washington, D.C. And Father, I believe it will not be many days that Washington, D.C. will remain in existence. But those days are in your hands. The time is in your hand. And I pray for wisdom, guidance, and direction for all of your people in this country and around the world. And I ask that you would continue to reveal to the seekers your truth in Scripture. And I ask for these things in Jesus' name. Now, you love the Lord today. You honor God. You thank God. You're a worshiper. Don't you dare entertain a spirit of fear. This judgment is not against you. When the time of persecution and tribulation comes, you'll go through it. You're going to be all right. Most likely the people listening here will be in a wonderfully safe place, prepared literally by God for you. Don't you be afraid. Just understand something, that when this happens, in the book of Revelation, even the angels of God and the prophets, they rejoice. When Babylon is destroyed, they rejoice because they know how vile it is. They know how wicked it is. Do not be afraid of your God because he has the ability to do these things. 
What God is saying today is you've crossed the point of no return. He said it in 2003 to a nation that's never returned to its moorings, to its foundation. We just had an attempt. It didn't happen. We'll see what happens now. But the time is up. It's what we read today. And when you see it with your eyes and hear it with your ears, understand with your heart that this was the Lord's allowing. He's going to allow this to happen. But I must understand that it's his anger and fury. Because God will not be mocked. He just won't be mocked. I don't know how this message will get out there. You're welcome to send it out to whosoever you will. It's, it'll be on YouTube. I've got Denny Sossaman saying Daniel 5. We need to read that. See, Sean Woodson joined into the broadcast. Hallelujah. Praise God. See, Jesse with us this morning. Jesse, God bless you. And God bless you. Direct you, Joyce Young, God help us.